All right. Okay, Proverbs chapter 11. Let's jump right in. Proverbs chapter 11. And uh, we're going to hit verse 2. Proverbs 11 and 2. And um, Solomon and the, the writings of the book of Proverbs um, hitting one subject, going to another subject, hitting another subject, coming back to a, another that he's already covered, even in the same span of one chapter. And of course, Solomon didn't write in chapters. The Bible, uh, many years after it was put together, compiled, was, uh, was put in chapters and verses. So just keep that in mind. But uh, Chapter 11, that we go by chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, when pride comes, then comes shame. When pride comes, then comes shame. Here is Solomon, I remind us all, teaching future leaders of Israel. And this is so important that he is stressing it. Pride, when it comes, then comes shame. So if he's teaching leaders, if he's teaching leaders, he is teaching them that they're going to climb the ladder of success in politics, in government, in business. They're going to climb this ladder. And when pride comes, when it comes to try to come on to your life, Understand something about pride, Solomon is saying. Uh, he's saying it will bring shame, so do not allow it to overtake your life. And then he says, but with the humble is wisdom. And he goes right back to that, that key component of wisdom and seeking after wisdom and humbleness is related to wisdom here in verse 2. Now, pride, what is it? It's conceit. It's excessively high opinion, and excessively high opinion of ourselves. Um, you know, one's appearance. Uh, think about it. There are people that society deems more attractive than necessarily others, but that person didn't have anything to do with their attractiveness and we shouldn't boast and if, uh, if you had a great or have a great ability to sing, you don't boast in that ability. I, I wish I, well, I mean, you know, at this point, what, what, uh, I don't, I'm not sure why I'm even saying this, but uh, I'm not a singer per se. I've got a halfway decent voice or did, uh, but I go all the way back when I was like, I don't know, 14 years old, and there was a little group that was being formed, a gospel group. I wasn't even saved, but they asked me to come try out. And I went over there. I still remember going into the house. They had a piano. They started playing this song and asked me to sing it, the part. I started singing. I was very nervous, and uh, it didn't sound good even to me. And, uh, and they turned me down. I have not gotten over it. I'm just telling you. I'm still bringing it up. All these years later, still bringing it up. I would have been, would it have been great for me if I as a 14-year-old, whatever age I was, would have stood there and been able to sing like Pastor John. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh my Lord, we want you in our group. Well, one thing I love about Pastor John, uh, when he first came here, we noticed immediately the guy could sing, but he was humble about it. 
It was like, uh, does he know how good he sounds? Maybe not. All right, so anyway, but don't, uh, it's good to tell him how much you love him and worship, his worship and leading worship. But the good thing is he's not walking in pride. He doesn't come out here and act like he's somebody, you know. He's humble and meek, and I love that because I love to be around humble people. I, do, I could not handle being around a prideful person. Not on this staff. And uh, if there were, we were to ever hire anybody and then all of a sudden they had to start to act like they were somebody, we w- I would have a serious problem with it, all right? And uh, you'd need to pray for me because I'd feel like I'm going to be saying goodbye real fast. All right, pride, conceit, excessively a high opinion of ourselves uh, or ability, haughty behavior, someone who thinks they are better than others. Let me just say, some of you grew up and there were people around you or in your life that acted like they were better than you. Maybe it was because of uh, what population group you were a part of. I don't know what reason. Maybe it was because you maybe were like me. You were poor. Uh, growing up and there were people that had money and maybe they looked down on you and I because we didn't have very much money growing up. Well, there's always somebody got their nose in the air, all right? There's a reason that God didn't cause our noses to point up because you'd first of all drown in a rainstorm, but uh, there's no reason to get your nose out of joint because all of us are what we are only by the grace of God. And so we don't look down our nose at anybody. It doesn't matter what your background has been. doesn't matter how much you may have feel, been felt uh, made to feel inferior growing up. You're not going to feel that way around here. And if you're new to our church, let me just go ahead and tell you. If anybody ever makes you feel like you're less than them around here, you come let us know. All right? Because we'll have one of the associates go take care of them. All right? Okay ostentatious, all right, vulgar, excessive display. No, pride is a terrible thing, and God hates pride. God hates pride. We have no reason to be prideful. So he is talking to us and saying, no matter how high you climb in society, no matter how popular you become, you are not to allow pride to overtake your life, all right? Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. A person with a haughty spirit uh, before a fall. A prideful person is gonna fall. A haughty person is gonna fall. It is absolutely a a law of God that he has put into place. People like to see, I'm not talking about Christians, but overall, people go to the aid of somebody who's humble and meek, but if somebody's prideful, uh, people, non-believers, love to see the prideful fall. Um, we, um, we, we get a kick out of it. I mean, um, I got a picture coming to my mind. Uh, 
This does not imply this person was prideful, but I was at a pastor's meeting one time. There were a lot of people there. There were a bunch of pastors up on the platform, and somebody walked over and and tripped and just fell uh, face forward across the platform. I, I have to be honest, I was younger then, not as mature, and uh, I, I laughed, and not out loud, but to myself. I'm just very much, it just caught me funny um, until, I don't know, several years ago, uh, we had a music uh, pastor's deal here, conference, and, and they had me and another pastor on the platform, and I came up here and tripped and stumbled halfway across the platform trying to catch myself and did catch myself before I fell, but felt just like, I don't know if I was reaping what I sowed uh, 20-something years ago. I don't know, but uh, I, I would have been crushed if anybody would have laughed at me, even though I'm sure there were some music pastors there that did. They couldn't help themselves. So pride is a terrible thing. Uh, God help us. Don't allow it in your life. No matter how successful you get in life financially in any other way, do not allow it to take hold in your heart. Pride is the opposite of humility, and humility was an attribute of Jesus Christ himself. All right, so here's some examples of pride leading to shame. Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, uh, this, was, uh, this was a good one, all right? Beware of using the word I. Try your best. I know it's imperative a lot of times that we use that, that word, but try your best to use something instead, we. We, uh, we made this decision. We're going to do this. And uh, if you're a husband, you're talking about you and your wife. We made the decision. And uh, I know a lot of times it's hard to not use the word I, but try your best. Use the word we. It implies that there are other people involved in your life's choices and decisions. All right, Daniel chapter 4, verse 30. Uh, I don't know, maybe most of you are probably aware of this story, but the king spoke, Nebuchadnezzar, the king spoke saying, is this not great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my, look at this, by my mighty power. Can you imagine God looking down, having allowed this man to a, to rise to the level that God allowed him to rise to. And hearing him say out of his own mouth that I built this big city, this giant city, by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. Oh, ho, ho. And uh, shortly, something takes place. This man loses his mind, starts acting like an animal for seven years eating grass. He goes from the king of Babylon bragging about the giant, the, the made this huge city that was built for his majesty and by his power, and now he's acting like a raving lunatic animal. And after seven years, 
something touched his mind. The goodness of God touched his mind and he looked up into the heavens and he began to give glory to Almighty God and he was restored to his place of power. That is the miracle of the whole story of Nebuchadnezzar that he was allowed after living like an animal for all those years, he was allowed to be the king again. Boy, I, I think I would be suspect of him uh, if uh, he had lived like an animal for seven years but was returned to power. Humility is a must ingredient for success in life. If you wanna be a success, let me just ask, how many of you wanna be a success? That's not a prideful thing if you raise your hand. God wants you to be a success. He doesn't want you to be a failure. He wants you to be a success on your job, in your marriage, in life, in relationships. Uh, he wants you to be a success financially. He doesn't want you to, to be a poor, poor, poor person who's, who's barely etching out a living. No, he wants you to have enough and more than enough to be able to give and be a blessing in the kingdom of God. So he wants you to be a success, but you will never get there without humility. And once you get there, you will never stay there without maintaining humility. And it's once you reach that place that the temptation to fall into the trap of feeling like you had something to do with this. And of course, in one sense, you did. But your attitude is, I can do nothing without him. But with him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be a success because of Christ. And so we give all the glory to God, first and foremost. We give glory to God. We don't leave out people around us. If you're a success in whatever you're doing, uh, you need to have the attitude, first of all, God. And my parents, uh, or my wife, my husband, uh, my, my boss, this person, that person, that teacher, uh, that person that was a part of my life that caused me to be inspired more to reach success. So there are all kind of people in our life that we could commend also. No, we do not reach success and then think, I have done this all by myself. Okay, all right. Then there was Uzziah. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16. Uzziah, and this is, a, this is a little bit of a sad story to me because throughout the word of God, uh, in the Old Testament, you read about a king who served God, and then he fell away. Uh, he started out right, then he'd fall away. Even Solomon started out right, but all indications lead that uh, tend to believe us, cause us to believe that he fell away at the end. So here's Uzziah uh, that was following God, but then in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16, says this, talking about pride. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up. When he reached a level of massive success as the king of Israel, 
and he, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord, his God, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense, which, which was for the priest and the priest only. And if you read the rest of the story, the priest rushed in. They tried to get him to come out and he did not like being told what to do. Prideful people do not like being told what to do, especially by people they deem who are beneath them, all right? So God help us to always be open to instruction by people uh, that we deem to not be on the same level with us in some measure. All right, then there was second, uh, number three, King Saul. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 12, he set up a monument for himself. He set up a monument for himself um, so that the people would look to him and he would receive undue adoration. Okay, the blessings follow obedience. And with those blessings can come wealth and position. It is then that great awareness must be kept in mind where all good things come from. How many of you tonight can declare all good things I have come from God. It all comes from God. I give God all the glory. Why don't you just lift your hands right now? Let's just give him the glory. God, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. Everything we are, everything we have, God, everything you want us to be, God, is by your grace. It is by your goodness, oh Lord. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Then we, then we turn in Proverbs uh, verse 4 to riches and righteousness. And Proverbs verse 4, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Riches don't profit. There are people in the world today that what we would call filthy rich, I don't know where that term came from, but Filthy rich. They got, well, I guess because money can have been handled by a lot of hands and uh, it can, a piece of money, a dollar bill is $50, can be really dirty. So if you want to get rid of that dirty stuff, bring it up here afterwards. I'll take it and clean it for you, all right? So, or $100 bills especially are really dirty, all right? So anyway, I'm kidding. Uh, but when you are filthy rich and you are sick or terminally ill, you're dying, what good is a billion dollars going to do you? What good is it going to do uh, riches will not profit in the day of wrath, uh, debilitating disease, or uh, 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 you reach a place where you can't even enjoy it. Someone with all the billions of dollars would not be able to utilize it or enjoy it. They would rather have their health than the billions of dollars that they have. Well, I assume they would. All right, our riches won't help us on judgment day. Of course not. You won't get to the pearly gates and say, hey, God, I got a bunch of money here. You know, uh, how much is it gonna cost me to get in? 
No, you're not getting in by any amount of money. It's all by the grace of God. What does it mean to be righteous? Righteousness is right living as defined by God's word. When you're born again, you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is a positional standing. And then you walk out his righteousness in your life as you follow the Lord and follow his word. Well, let me go to verse eight. The righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. It didn't say that the righteous won't experience trouble, but the Bible says the righteous is delivered from trouble. The righteous are delivered out of their trouble. Note that everyone experiences trouble in life, but God does not help the unrighteous. And the amazing thing is I've, of course, discovered no matter what you go through, no matter how hard the trial may be, no matter the sickness level, there will be points in your life, even through the worst sickness of your life, where there will be signs of God's presence, God's intervention in your life, reminders to you that no matter what you go through, you can give God praise and glory. God cares about you. God has not forsaken you. I don't know what you're going through, but God has not forsaken you. Usually on Sunday morning, this past uh, Sunday, this past weekend, Pastor Johnny spoke, and I usually go and greet on this side if uh, he speaks, and I told him, I said, when you speak, you go on this side, and I'll go over there, and uh, when I'm speaking, I'll go there, and you go there, so we'll, and the rest of the staff are meandering around, too, in different areas, but when I came through the altar area, there were two people, one person that stopped me and said they were facing surgery, and my heart just goes out to anyone now, especially going through something like that. And then I come across and there were other people that looked like they desperately needed prayer. And one, one lady desperately looked like she needed prayer. And, and there were a lot of people. So we prayed for her and, and she was without a job. And, and the miracle is we've gotten word since Sunday. She's gotten a job. I don't know if it's long-term or temporary, but thank God. And, and then there was a couple that he's facing a young man, facing open heart surgery. And I just thought, dear God, to be young and be wondering. And, and, uh, in the, but he's in the altar. That's a good place to be when, you, when you're facing something you've never faced before. The altar is a good place to go. And so we got to pray with him and others had already prayed with him. But I just thought, no matter. You know, God's not punishing them. I don't know why people get sick or have problems when, when they're in the youth of their life. Um, I just know that with all that I've been through in the last about 20 years now, I have more compassion, more sympathy. Before that, I was hardly ever sick. And as a result of that, I'll be honest, I couldn't really identify with people that were sick because I had enjoyed good health and um, people would come and say, oh, Pastor, my back hurts. And I'm like, their back hurts. 
uh, I never had back pain, so I couldn't even identify with them. And uh, I, the words of my father would come to me. If I ever was working hard on the farm and anybody ever said my back hurts, he'd say, oh boy, you're, you're not old enough to even have a back. I'm like, what kind of crazy statement is that? But it was like, all right, boy, you know, I don't even have a back. I, of course my back's not hurting. I don't even have one. And so I don't know what's hurting, but it's not my back. And so anyway, I'm like, I have no idea where he got that. Obviously his father said it to him and uh, he didn't stop long enough to figure out why wow, this is a dumb statement anyway. But, uh, and I kind of felt that way. People had come to the altar years ago when I first became pastor. My, I prayed for my back and I'm like, you're not even old enough to have a back, are you? And, uh, and I had very little sympathy until 2005. And I went to a doctor because I had a little stiffness in my neck. And he didn't do an x-ray, did nothing. He laid me on a table. He had giant hands. I can still remember. Giant hands. They were like huge vices came down. I'm laying on the table and he takes my head. And without saying a word to me, he goes. <laughs> and of course, being a man, I'm assuming women do this too. When somebody, <laughs> you, uh, you react. And so I reacted. And. It's amazing because all of a sudden, apparently, his brains returned to him, and he didn't go the other way. He stops and lets me leave. I think it was the next morning, searing pain went down my back, and I discovered I had a herniated disc. Um, I did not sue him. Um, couldn't prove it, but... Um, I don't know. It just seems a coincidence that the day before I'm having a giant man twist my neck and the next day a herniated disc. I discovered I had a back. I was apparently old enough to have a back and so, uh, and a neck. And he herniated my disc and for three months when a little bit of herniation came out, the jail out of the what do they call it, <laughs> came out and pressed against the nerve. Excruciating pain. Day and night. How many of you have ever experienced that? Oh, dear God, have mercy. Dear Jesus. For three months, I slept part of the time sitting up, the pain was so severe at times that um, literally uh, my brain said to me one night, I had a thought go through my brain, just in this, there was no ending to the pain. It was horrid for three months until I, um, I had a spinal thing where they went in and just snipped off the, the uh, herniated part. And by the grace of God, been fine. But during that time and after, if you come to this altar and you say, Pastor, pray for my back, I'm going to be like, dear God, dear God, dear Jesus. Because now I know what you are going through. 
I know, and I have great compassion. And I had a man in, over at Goldenrod said that he got up every morning, he took morphine, and he went to work. And he came home and collapsed. Lost his wife. His life was turned upside down. And I'm still, I'm still trying to process all of that. But does God love that man? Of course he loves him. Does God care about, did God want him to go through that? No. Don't, don't lose out. Don't lose faith over things you may not understand. Um, that money cannot buy. Don't lose out on facing life and the, the difficulties of life and thinking in some way, shape, or form that God has left you. He has not left you. I don't know what your future holds, but I know this. God is in your future. And God wants to make a difference in your future. And even the worst, the darkest of the night, if you will look for him, you will discover he is there. He is speaking into your life. The pain may be louder at moments in your life. The pain may be louder than what you perceive his voice, but his voice will always be there to speak into your life. Don't ever turn away from him. Don't ever allow pride to enter in. And, and uh, don't ever allow anything else to turn you away from the goodness of God. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, O oh Lord God, to touch us all. Holy Spirit of God, we ask you, Lord, to help us all to work and to live in compliance to your word Lord, walking according to your word in righteousness, God, I ask you, help us all, Lord, to give you all the glory for whatever we accomplish in life. God, help us to walk in humility before you, Lord. God, if you could come to this earth, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator, the one spoke the worlds into existence, and you can come and serve fallen humanity and stoop at 12 men's feet and wash them with your hands. God, no matter where we arrive in life, we can do the same. We can walk in that humility and servitude to others. God, we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, God Almighty. Lord God Almighty, speak, Lord, your word into people's hearts right now. While every head is bowed, please. I don't know what you're going through, but God is here by his spirit to speak into your life. And maybe you're sitting there in pain. Listen to the voice of God. Maybe you're sitting there with some doubts about something. Listen to the voice of God. Maybe you had reached a place where you've become too independent on your own abilities and accomplishments and giftings. Listen to the voice of God. And if you're sitting here and you're not serving Christ, listen to his voice. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Cross this building right now as people you're praying, you're whispering a prayer. If you're a believer, 
just begin right now to whisper a prayer of intercession. There may be people sitting here that don't know Christ. There may be people sitting here that are going through a challenge in their faith. So just because things are good with you may not be the case with others. And so pray for them right now as you call out to God. God knows who they are, where they're sitting, what they're going through, and what they're experiencing right now in their minds, their life. Holy Spirit of God, touch every heart in life here. And if you're specially sitting here and you don't know Christ, you don't know Him as Lord and Savior, you're not walking with God, I challenge you right now to say yes. Yes to God's grace. Yes to His forgiveness. Yes to Him as Lord. And so if that's you, why don't you right now just slip your hand up high. If you're here, you need Christ, you need to get right with God, slip your hand up. Do it now. Lift it up. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly, just lift your hand high. Lift it up high. Anyone else? Stand with us, please, everyone. Father, in Jesus' name, everyone standing with us, please. You know, someone today, um, wonderful couple in our church, just have been just been attending about a year. Remarked to me about the altar and our opening the altar. One of the staff members mentioned someone here Sunday that was visiting and and said, we don't do this at our church. Well, listen, we're always going to do it here by the grace of God. Why? Because people need somebody to pray with them. When you're going through something, we're in this thing together as we we were sharing last Sunday. We're in this thing together. Don't be an island. Get involved. Grow groups, uh, home groups, or fellowship groups. Just get involved and get connected with others. But right now, you need somebody to pray with you. Don't go it alone. Don't just be on your own. Come to this altar. Let us pray with you. Let us believe God with you in agreement according to his word. So as Pastor John leads us. If you raise your hand, you needed someone to pray with you. You don't know Christ, slip out and come. If you're here, you need a healing in your body. Maybe you've got back problems and you need a healing in your back. So step out and come. We're going to believe God with you. Believe God to touch you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Oh God Almighty. Jesus. Oh God Almighty Lord. God Almighty Lord. Almighty Lord. If you need prayer, slip out and come. You need prayer, slip out and come. God's speaking to your heart right now. Make your way to this altar. Jesus, 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 my God and my Lord. Jesus, 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 my Lord and my God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. These altars are still open. Pastor Wayne's here to serve you. Communion. Listen, 
I mean, there were a lot of you that raised your hand that you've had some back issues. What better time to come and get prayed for and then partake of communion around this altar, believing God for Him to touch your back, give you wisdom, direction, immediate healing in your, your physical body. God bless you. Pastor John, lead us in prayer, please. Father, in Jesus' name, thank Jesus. you so much, Lord, for your presence here tonight. Thank you for speaking wisdom over our lives tonight, and thank you for just speaking into our hearts, Father. Thank you for those that you've brought to these altars, Lord. We know that they've been drawn by your Spirit and that you're doing miraculous and wonderful things in their lives even right now. I thank you for deliverance and for salvation and for situations turned around. I thank you, Lord God, for answered prayers. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that by your love you're moving in these lives. And I also pray, Father, Lord, that as we all leave this time together, that God, we wouldn't leave your presence, but that you would go with us, continuing to teach us, continuing to, to grow us, continuing to help us and lead us and guide us every step of our lives, Lord God, that we might glorify you as we act out, Lord God, your will that you're placing on us. We love you, we honor you, we acknowledge you in all of our ways, and we're believing you to direct our paths this week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Again, Pastor Wayne is here to serve anyone communion that would like it. Otherwise, we'd love to see you again very soon. God bless.